his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Nerds! Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Sometimes you need a change of pace. That includes your finances. Get smart with your budgeting with financial tips straight from the nerds. NerdWallet's trusted experts will set future you up for success by untangling today's web of financial misinformation. Learn about smart investing strategies, tax planning pointers, and travel tips to save on a fun family getaway. Maybe somewhere tropical? Spring ahead for smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. What's the matter? What are you whining about over there? Too many uh, jalapenos in my eggs this morning. Mm. Uh, while he downs some water, I want to talk about trust. Sports Illustrated has been, I would say, the leading publication in sports for decades. Right? Doesn't everybody read Sports um, Illustrated? They, I wouldn't say anymore. No? Sports no? Illustrated, once you know the digital age arrived, uh, we had, you know... And like ESPN putting out digital. I mean, back in the day, it was the magazine, and that was the end all be all. Mm-hmm. Of, you know, I've subscribed to Sports Illustrated magazine for years. Right. But now, you know, you've got the athletic, you've got other online sources of. But news. If, if it's written in Sports <clears throat> Illustrated about an athlete or a coach, you would believe that it's, right. that it's true. Yes. You would say, oh, I, you would use that as a source. Correct. That Sports Illustrated says this. Yes. And therefore, it must be true because right. you would trust Sports Illustrated. Well, now there is an AI fiasco that it is that is going on with Sports Illustrated. Apparently, Sports Illustrated published articles by fake AI-generated writers. And n- the problem goes even deeper than this. Ooh, this, when I say this, I mean somebody named Drew Ortiz mm-hmm. that doesn't seem to exist. I love his work. He's the author of an article at least about volleyball. He has no social media presence, no publishing history. It says even more, his profile on the Sports Illustrated is for sale on a website that sells AI-generated headshots. Okay? He's a very, like, benign-looking young man. Uh, with the, you know, the metrosexual beard yep. that we, they all have going on. Just uh, whatever, just like a regular guy, I guess, who sold his image. He wrote an article, allegedly, about volleyball. And in the volleyball article, it says, quote, volleyball can be a little tricky to get into, especially without an actual ball to practice with. Like, that's not a thing that a person would say. I think that's a thing a, a... That sounds to me like a sarcastic comment that somebody would put into it. But yes, if I that's, guess there was a little you're taking less that nuance. literal. Yes, yes, there's a little less nuance uh, in the article. Yeah. And by the way, at the bottom of the article, it talks about this Ortiz fellow that he lives in Houston. He loves yard games and hanging out with his dog, Sam. Like it, it, it treats him as right. an actual person. A biography. Right? Well, it has turned out that. He is he doesn't not exist. real. Mm. Nothing he wrote was true. And that Sports Illustrated, and here I think lies an even the bigger problem with journalism. Sports Illustrated is hiring a third party to write articles to create content for its digital website. Right. 
I mean, is that okay with you as a sports fan? Or when it says Sports Illustrated, do you want to know that that is a person who's working for Sports Illustrated or at least vetted oh, by Sports Illustrated? Of course I do that. Of course. But do I think that like all websites I look at now and every single item of content on those websites is generated by A, people on their staff, and now B, by an actual living person? Wow. I would think by a person. I mean, I'd hope that it's an actual living person, but do I think that, you know, in this day and age, <clears throat> content is king and you want, you have to populate your site with content. And if you've only got, and I don't know how many Sports Illustrated has, but if it's not enough to fill their online content, then I assume that they're going uh, off their site to get other content. Now, where that is, and to me, I think. That's why I take a grain of salt with, okay, if there's an article way down the line about something that is of no importance to me and is, I'm thinking there, that's just filler. And it might not be, I would assume that it's from a real human being. Mm-hmm. But whether where that's coming from, I mean, this is something that I take for granted that I, I believe I have a, I'll talk about this, mm-hmm. by the way, when we talk about the fall of Minneapolis. And yes, yes people have been asking us, we will be reviewing that. 11.35. Yes. Is that I take for granted my ability to spot, not BS, but my ability to see um, what is like in media, what is objective, what is uh, informative news, or what is just kind of quote-unquote filler mm-hmm. or things that are really, I can see the angle on something. And that's why in this case, at least initially, I guess I'm not too shocked by it. Not to say that it's mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. And I'm no, questioning, you know, okay, did uh, Sports Illustrated really just, you know, they're blaming, of course, oh, that's this third party. Mm-hmm. Well, no, that's on you. If you're putting it uh, under the Sports Illustrated banner, which still does mean something. Yes, it does. That is on you. And you can't just say, well, that's not us. Well, yes, it is. So so does it tarnish Sports Illustrated? Do you oh, trust them less now? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I don't understand this need for content. Like Sports Illustrated, if you don't have enough writers, then write what you have. Use your people for what you have. If there's breaking news, pull somebody off something else and have them Mm -hmm. write that. Or if you don't have enough writers, hire more writers. You know, you say an article that's way down the line. Why does the line need to be so big? True. Why can't you just have five pieces that are on your article that are well done, that are vetted, that and are comprehensive with if, real people. Yeah, yeah. and if, you have, if you're having to fill those spaces, yeah. you're better off not filling those spaces. That's what I mean. Or you like, know what? Re- recycle an old article from years past. Say, that's hey, fine. remember the 10 years ago today, we had a story on this athlete or whatever it is. There's always things to talk about, but that filling the beast need here's, and having to rely but, on AI is like, well, we here's need the question, to look at our models but and what we're here's doing. Here's the question. This is the same conversation we had when we talked about academics. And the initial reaction is, well, yeah, artificial intelligence. If you're doing something in academics that's AI, that's cheating. But no, we've had a number of professors come on and a number of students say, no, it's a tool. Yes. Artificial mm-hmm. intelligence is a tool that you use to research or help you mm-hmm. complete projects. Even start, spark an idea. Correct. Yes. Mm-hmm. So should not, so if a journalist, uh, especially one who's, you know, covering 75 different things and saying, I've got to fill this, I've got to get this article, if they're using artificial intelligence, to 
help their article or, you know, inform them about certain things, looking up stats, for instance, Mm -hmm. to give an article Mm -hmm. flavor, Mm -hmm. I have no problem with that. But that's a fine line then. Mm -hmm. Okay, what's the actual content of that reporter as opposed to what is the content of artificial intelligence? And especially if you're using it, I'm fine with you using it as a tool. And there are some really great plugins uh, that have advanced with AI that you can use. But the... If you're using it as a tool, you got to still check those facts because as you've heard from my football reports on the Vikings, yes. AI generated, and we very honest about those that that's Jordana's AI generated report. It's supposed to be wrong and silly. You got to still double check those facts. You yeah. can't just trust that AI is going to get them all right. You need to make sure that it's right. And, and I think that inherently if you're using AI – to do the job of somebody that you don't want to pay, you shouldn't have that as a job in your company. Like if you can't afford to pay writers to write stories, have less stories. Mm-hmm. And and we would be okay with that. Like if I was Sports Illustrated. Would we be though? Oh. That's I, what they're counting on though. It's like, no, they want <clears> – you want that content. So if they're saying, hey, we, we, uh, we know you subscribe $15 a month to our to our website. Unfortunately, we can't pay enough people. So we're going to drop our content, but we still want you to pay us 15 bucks a month. No, I, that's terrible. I don't think people would pay that right. much. Right, that's what I'm saying. But I think you need to pitch it a little bit differently. Just you're getting quality content from real writers. I, I just – I don't think it's about volume, especially if he's writing – well, first of all, he's not real. He's not a real right. person, uh, John Ortiz or whatever his name was. Um, great but, guy, John Ortiz. Great, great guy. Loves his dog, People Sam, tell me he's a great Houston. guy. Um, that I can tell you. I think that we as Americans, honestly, I would be grateful for less to read. I would be grateful for less news. I have, I feel like I read so much, you know, in the morning before the show. It's like, oh, my God, I just want the headlines or you want the really important stuff or you want something really in-depth to explain something. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's about quality versus quantity at this point. And SI, I just think there were so many epic failures on its judgment. Yes, of course, you printing this art of printing, you know, putting it on your website, but also the use of a third party to generate content that is whoring out your name. You're like, oh, OK, we're Sports Illustrated, but we're yeah, hiring but, this AI company to create our content. How much do you value your name that you're putting this content under? That's the nature of I mean, the New York Times got rid of their sports department and instead of uh, and then hired the athletic to do their sports. And do they say it's the athletic for the New York Times? I think that it's that it was just clear enough that they're saying, okay. I mean, if it's clear, I mean, we well, that somebody texted. Just put a disclosure in there. Is yeah. it simple enough that that would be an answer? Well, I think if you put a disclosure, this was written by a fake person. Nobody would read it. <laughs> so you're shooting yourself in the foot with that one. But Adam, when when you were in the newsroom, when we're in the newsroom, you don't hire. Or, I'm sorry, you don't like get news from other people. That you don't know. Well, that's and not put necessarily under true. Our name. No, no, but we, I mean, part of news gathering and is looking at what other companies, and not to say that, it, oh, here's, here's what the Star Tribune had to say about the story. I'll just put it in my story. Right. No, you verify yourself. You verify, or you, you cite them. You know, according to the Star Tribune, this is what their reporting showed, and you advance the story. Mm-hmm. You, I just, I feel like this is such a failure. Of journalism, but then I caught myself questioning. Well, it's sports, like it's Sports Illustrated. How much credibility are we worrying about here? And, and I'm not a sports person, so I don't care. 
But if if we're thinking about real reporting and people want real sports news, like are they very upset at Sports Illustrated mm-hmm. for doing this? I would be. This is almost a similar conversation as we had to the Carissa Thompson talk about the online sideline reporter. Yes, yes. Who claimed who said she just kind of made things up? Yes, which is sometimes. ridiculous. Then if you're making things up, just don't include those things. Like that's. That's what I mean about this. Sports Illustrated, if you have to make stuff up to feed whatever beast you think you're feeding, give your readers more credit that they would rather read quality than made-up quantity. What about music? Would you... This is an excellent question. And maybe we should pause and come back with AI-generated music. The the first ever solely AI-generated piece of music with an AI-generated singer has been released. Did you listen to it yet? I'll listen to it next. We'll listen to it together. Yeah. This is sticks. I mean, you could say this is artificial intelligence. Ah, no. It's kind it, of a precursor. It came out of a it's human a bad brain song, by the way. To use Mr. Roboto. You like this song? You like sticks? Um, I don't mind sticks. I don't love sticks. I wonder who I am. <laughs> like Rush. Like very. Oh, uh, no, automata. don't be slamming Rush. Oh, see. Prog rock. I feel like Rush. Yes. Like that. Uh, the reason we're talking about robots in music, because a fully AI-generated singer-songwriter, Anna Indiana, which is a really bad name, uh, released her first song. Sorry to all the Anna Indianas out there. She released her first song, um, and people are responding. I want you to hear Anna. Now, remember, she's not a real person. She is an AI-generated So this is completely avatar. generated by a computer. Correct. And she, like, I think somebody, you know, plugged in to ChatGPT, create an AI-generated songwriter who then will create an AI-generated song. Listen here. Anna will introduce herself, and then we're going to play you the song, and we're going to want to know what you think. Okay. I've heard enough. (laughs) I've heard enough. First of all, is that a guitar or a harpsichord? I don't know. It sounds halfway between an acoustic guitar and a harpsichord. Well, I don't think it's anything. It's all AI-generated. But it's made to sound like a... It's made to sound like an acoustic guitar because I see a still photo of her. Yeah. And she's fake playing she's, a. Mm-hmm. And she looks fake. Guitar. She yeah, looks she like looks a cartoon. Fake. Like she looks like a really good cartoon. And that that song sounds fake. That sounds like yes, a fake song. It's awful. So, but it's just the first one. It, mm-hmm. So they're going to get better and better and better and better. And I mean, she, I hope they don't. I wish they wouldn't because I, I like real music made by real people. Um, written with lyrics based on real emotion and real experience. so And that's where I think AI draws the line. When it comes to art, art is such a human experience in its creation and in its consumption of art. We connect with music. We connect with painting. We connect with sculpture. You know, it makes you feel a certain way. And I don't know that... I mean, you know, yeah, but machines art, me, will create its own thing, and you you will be able to react to that. But I think the creation of art is such a human gift that machines can try, but I don't know that it will ever surpass humanity. I mean, art is art in in so much as that. How is it received by the person it's who's experiencing it? Whether it's That's a song, true. a painting, or whatever mm-hmm. it is. That's true. And if that person, even if it's an artificial intelligence formed piece of art, mm-hmm. a song, and if somebody's if that resonates with someone, then it's art. You know what? I'm, you're right about that. So I won't judge AI art. Uh, this music, in my opinion, wasn't very good. This is a swing and a miss, for so sure. I still want humans. But I also don't think 
know, everybody's worried about how AI is replacing us. If you're creating good art as a human, you there's still a, a market for you out uh-huh. there. It's not like AI is going to replace you. And I understand people are worried that AI could knock off your own art, but you still have to do you. You still have to create. And AI does kind of need inspiration. If you say, hey, make a painting like Adam Carter would paint it, you're still Adam Carter. Yes. And you're still the original creator. So sure, you're going to get knocked off, but you know what? Everything gets knocked off anyway in China. Correct. That Target sweatshirt that you're wearing that I like so much is probably, probably a made in China of a different designer that we will never know about. And is that person losing money because you didn't buy the Maybe. $300 version of that sweatshirt? Maybe. But you were never going to buy the but $300 version. But by God, I'm version. keeping a bunch of five-year-olds employed in China who are making all this <laughs> great clothing. Texture nails it. Art is whatever you can get away with. Oh, that's fair. But is anyone – well, maybe some people are going to listen to this song. And maybe in 100 years from now, that's all the kids are going to listen to. Anna, Indiana. I think a little too a, close to Hannah, Montana. I think, I think art can help with music, though, right? Help in production, help adding beats underneath, help – you know, if, if you're not a person who plays a million instruments like Prince did, you know, I think you can get help in creating songs. And do you think you have to disclose that? If you get help. Like if you if you write a song and let's say you write it on piano, but you want to add in drums and you want to add in guitar and you go to AI and you say, yes, you know, you write should. a beat. Yeah, absolutely. You should disclose that. Absolutely. Um, okay. Play a little bit of it again. Do you have still, does it up there just like the melody? I will pull it up here one second. Okay. Because somebody's suggesting that it sounds like Let It Be by the Beatles. Oh, I didn't hear that. Hold on. Josh is getting it ready. Timing is everything in radio. Hang on. Anna Indiana, wait, waiting on it here. Hang on. And Come on, Twitter. we are going to talk about um, the fall of Minneapolis, mm-hmm. the Liz Collin Alpha News documentary. Everybody's been asking. Yes, it's happening. It's happening in about five minutes right yeah, after the break. This. Mother Mary comes to me. I would say more Taylor Swift. words of wisdom, let it be. No, I'm sorry. I don't hear it. Yeah, find out if our review... Of uh, the fall of Minneapolis is better than our review of uh, Anna, Indiana. Anna, Indiana. We'll let you know. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at penfed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Nerds! Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Sometimes you need a change of pace. That includes your finances. Get smart with your budgeting with financial tips straight from the nerds. NerdWallet's trusted experts will set future you up for success by untangling today's web of financial misinformation. Learn about smart investing strategies, tax planning pointers, and travel tips to save on a fun family getaway. Maybe somewhere tropical? Spring ahead for smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.
next. Okay, that's the trailer of the uh, fall of Minneapolis produced by Alpha News, uh, right-leaning uh, news outlet in the Twin Cities and former WCCO-TV uh, reporter and anchor Liz Collin, mm-hmm. who also briefly used to you know, fill in here. Mm-hmm. Oh, she did? Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't she know did that. shows uh, here. Um, and it very, very it hit around just before Thanksgiving. Um, probably good time because it gets mm-hmm. folks who are sitting at home on Thanksgiving and family members talking about uh, this documentary. Mm-hmm. And I had at least three different people over Thanksgiving holiday come up and ask me if I've seen really? it. Really? Oh, yeah. In very different uh, settings. And three more than that. And asking me about it, and I had not seen it. I'd seen, like, people sharing. I also saw people sharing it on Facebook. Must watch. you got to watch this. you got to watch really? this. Right. And it's easy to say, okay, Liz Collin, she's married to Bob Kroll. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's got an axe to grind. He's got an axe to grind. Mm-hmm. She also had a book called They're Lying about mm-hmm. what the media. And Allegedly won't tell you. What the media won't tell you, what the politicians. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's easy to say, oh, I'm not going to watch that. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, which is why we talked about this and said, you know, we should watch it. Yes. Absolutely. Right? I, I really have no interest in it, but um, I was in, I, I liked Liz when she was on the air mm-hmm. I, I, as a person. Um, she, I wanted to see what they were doing. And if they're claiming, like, well, I'm the media. You're the media, right. Adam. If they're claiming. More so now, more so then than I was now. So when yeah. George Floyd, when he was killed, mm-hmm. the, the trial, I was still in the newsroom. Right. And I right. covered that trial mm-hmm. I on every single day. Of course. We had reporters over at the courthouse. Mm-hmm. The day of the verdicts, I was on the air for uh, mm-hmm. nonstop for a while. Um, so when they say we're going to share what the media won't sh- tell you, I'm like, oh, what is it exactly that I wasn't telling people? And I was curious about that. And it starts off with a lot of the body cam footage of... Uh, the murder of George Floyd, and I mean, watching that starts is with horrific. the with the arrest. Yeah, with no, the it arrest. starts with the arrest yes. of mm-hmm. George Outside Floyd Cup again. Foods. If he's at Cup Foods, mm-hmm. he tries to uh, use a, a fake twenty dollar bill. Cops are called, mm-hmm. and he's sitting in a car mm-hmm. with other people. And Thomas Wayne, mm-hmm. police officer, approaches the car in a very aggressive manner. Mm-hmm. Um, Has his gun drawn. Yep. Within a few seconds yep. of talking, mm-hmm. and immediately, uh, it's what struck me was the first words out of. Or some of the first words out of uh, George Floyd's mouth are "I'm sorry." Mm-hmm. Like immediately, he Correct. starts apologizing, and he he is a very large man, right? Um, but he immediately, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry," and he is and hysterical. He is uncooperative and hysterical. Come on, man, don't make me get in the yep. car. Don't come on. I, I didn't do anything. Yep. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, my mom died. I, you know, like he's he's already knows he's probably in trouble for something, mm-hmm. or clearly a little bit out of it. The the when he when the it was called in, it said that he's awfully drunk. Well, it seemed like maybe he was on something, right. and and they asked him if he was on something, and he said right. no. Can I just stop you there, though? Yeah, go ahead. What we're talking about, what you're talking about. Yeah, this is there, there's nothing new here, right? You're absolutely. And that's right. the thing when people mm-hmm. were to ask to talk to me and mm-hmm. said, "You got to watch it because there's new stuff here." Okay, I'm watching that. Mm-hmm. I've seen that body cam footage. Correct. I watched it all. And so we get through that. It's very uncomfortable to watch. It's hard to watch. Awful. You're screaming in your mind, thinking, "God, if this would have happened, if this would have happened, yes. this we wouldn't have had." Mm-hmm. Those horrible days in May of 2020. Mm-hmm. And Derek I found Chauvin, myself saying, get up, get up. Derek like, Chauvin would still be a cop, it. for better or mm-hmm. worse. Those mm-hmm. cops would still be on the job. They wouldn't be in prison. George Floyd may or may not be still alive. Who the knows? The third precinct would not have burned. Nope. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but again, we've seen all that. 
Uh, I find it interesting that the body cam footage stops before the eight minutes and 46 seconds. It does. And we don't see that those moments. We've seen them all. I mean, everybody's seen those. And if you watch it in its entirety mm-hmm. for that eight minutes, that's hard to watch too. Mm-hmm. Okay? So get through that. And again, and I watch, then it brings up the, the arrest and the trial, uh, George Floyd's autopsy, um, the, the questions there, the questions about prosecutors uh, who's, you know, are meeting and saying, well, this doesn't fit what we want to charge Derek Chauvin with. It, here's the thing, and I'm just, I'm just, documentaries are documentaries. Documentaries are not meant to be true pieces of objective nonfiction. I don't care what the documentary is. Mm-hmm. We all love, I love documentaries. Love. But I also, lo- I love documentaries, and I understand that there's a producer, there's reporters who are, pro- pro- and. And possibly an agenda. Possibly an agenda. Possibly. Or at least a bias that we try, if you're objective, you try not to have, but we all have them. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're also entertainment. Mm-hmm. Documentaries are, they're not true pieces of news. Mm-hmm. So that being said, uh, what I watched, I, there was nothing really revolutionary. No. The stuff that they claim the media didn't show you, I will share some of that. Uh, for example, uh, there there was a, a time when Alexander King, one of the officers also who was implicated in this, yeah, serving uh, got, time in prison. He is in prison. Got into the ambulance. Now we we know that George Floyd was already dead at this point. Got into the ambulance and started like compressions because the EMT worker said, "You know, can you start compressions?" So Alexander King did that, and that was apparently revolutionary. Like it, no one ever told you that he started compressions. Well. Okay, like that didn't change here or there. The man was still dead. And whether or not Alexander King tried to save his life or not, good. That's kind of his job. But it doesn't change any of the facts of the case. So that was not interesting to me as like Mm -hmm. something that we didn't tell you. I mean, I didn't think about that before. Maybe we assumed that they started compressions because EMT was there to start compressions. So I think their agenda was to make us feel like Alexander King was trying to help. I'm not sure what they were alleged allegedly saying. Something else they also said the media never tells you is that um, Derek Chauvin was not the arresting officer. Well, we knew that because it was, wasn't it Total and Alexander King who first met him at his car? Uh, it was Thomas Lane it was and Tom- Alexander King. Thomas Lane mm-hmm. and Alexander King. Thomas Lane, I believe, is the first one to approach him. Is that right? Yes. So um, they're saying what they never told you was that Alexander King, who is also black, was the arrest, allegedly the arresting officer or what have you. Like, right. we all like that somehow absolves like, like that somehow like he's black and two towels Asian that somehow absolves like this is not that, that, that uh, you're missing. the right. That's right. relying on you just simply saying, well, this is just race baiting and it's just white cop, black That's, man. Dead. Yeah. That's not it. We mentioned the they larger were all issue, there. right? Yeah, we they were all there. We knew he was black. I just want to interrupt because this is a text we got, and this is exactly the point I'm making. Here's the texter. Mm-hmm. I want you both to take a step back. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you both were glued to this when it all happened, but with an open mind, and let's say that you don't know much about what happened. Okay. If you only saw this documentary, would your opinion be any different? One hundred percent, yes. That's what I'm saying. Is if you had no uh, concept of the case. Mm-hmm. 
and I hope you do if you live here, mm-hmm. or if you only paid attention to certain parts of the trial, or if in your mind you already kind of made up what you thought and you watched this documentary, it would absolutely reinforce what you think. Yes. But if you paid attention, and I'm not saying, I'm not criticizing anybody for not being glued into every second mm-hmm. of the trial. It was hard to watch. It was hard to cover. It's very painful, but it was very open. We had meet cameras in that courtroom, and you can argue all you want about what should have been allowed and what should not have been allowed by Judge Peter Cahill or the jury or prosecutors. Prosecutors are trying to get a man convicted. It's their case that they're putting forward. You can argue all you want. That's why we have courts of appeals and the Supreme Court. His mother is interviewed, Derek Chauvin's mother. I, if I was the mother of Derek Chauvin or the, if that's my daughter, I am screaming too. What a sham. Are you kidding me? But that's why we have appeals. And guess what? Derek Chauvin has tried to appeal his trial many, many times and his convictions. And at, to this point, even up to the U.S. Supreme Court, those appeals have been denied. So uh, the, the, the media won't tell you. The prosecutors won't tell you. If you're paying attention close enough, and again, who in their lives had time to sit down every day and watch that trial? Who wanted to do mm-hmm. that other mm-hmm. than the people who were covering it? Mm-hmm. And But to say this is some grand conspiracy that I, I, I just I, I don't buy it. And, and I, I don't want this where there, there are lots of criticisms, including let me add this. I fully 100 percent agree and feel for those cops who were in the oh, third precinct yes. when they, they let that thing burn down. And that was an absolute failure by this city and the governor, whoever made the decision to say, you know what, we're just going to pull out and let them take over that precinct as a symbolic measure or whatever it was. It's just a building that phrase. That was a horrible, horrible mistake, and it should never have gone down mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. They should have defended that precinct. They should have gotten yes. National Guard members mm-hmm. in. Yes. To protect that, because yes. that I remember, I'll yes. never forget where I was when I saw that. And I said, "That's a police building burning down, mm-hmm. and how has it come to it was this?" Devastating. Not to say that those people screaming in the streets had every right to do that, and that emotion came from a real place. Mm-hmm. But that was a moment that I think was a failure of this city and the state, frankly, to let that happen. And I feel for those cops who were in there, and I do not doubt for a second. That they f- feared for their lives, mm-hmm. and they feared, "Well, am I going to make it out of here?" Mm-hmm. I um, there were two things because you said you try to go in with an open mind, but we're human, so we have a bias. And also, Adam and I are deeply invested in this story. We covered it every day. I was on the air here. It, it was a horrific thing, a scar uh, on on Minneapolis. Um, there were two things that really stuck out to me. They really harped on George Floyd's history, his past drug yeah. convictions, his past drug right. selling, or his his past use and yeah okay i mean that's that is a fact that is a i mean that is a thing to know about george floyd but what made me realize that i wasn't watching anything objective which i knew going in but i wanted to have an open mind was there was no backstory about derek chauvin's history Mm -hmm. of police abuse nothing there was no history about how he was uh you know got written up and and maybe again the union protected him Mm -hmm. which we know from actual consequences of that but it doesn't doesn't mean it didn't happen so again if you're going to claim that george floyd has a history of drug abuse and that's what caused his death you also have to claim that derek if that history history is relevant so is chauvin's history so is chauvin's history which again leads me to the point that this is Meant for a certain audience. Exactly. And that it exactly. succeeds with that certain audience. And that's that's fine. And that's... the other thing that my mind was changed about, and I'm just going to be totally honest and vulnerable with you guys because I did think this a lot. 
the police force is down now, 300 plus people yes, after is. the murder of George Floyd and, and the conviction. And we saw some of those officers in this uh, documentary. Mm-hmm. It, some of those officers that were worked in the third yep. and watched their precinct burn. And I thought, well, the officers that left, this is Jordana before the documentary. I thought the officers that left, well, they must be the racist ones. They must be the ones. It's a lot of racists. Right, right. And and honestly, I I had it in the back of my head thinking, well, okay, they're not going to be protected by the union anymore. Bob Kroll is out. He can't protect them. There's not going to be a culture of bullying. And 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 they left because maybe they had charges against them that they might be accountable for or or they want to abuse power. I, I did think that in the back of my head. But after watching this documentary and seeing those good cops. Mm-hmm that just wanted to do good for the community, yep. in the community. But years, wanted, decades right, into the community. Right. I, like, I get chills talking about this. It's a fake emotion because, coming from those right, cops. I really, my heart goes out to those cops that were caught in this kind of crossfire, that saw parts of the city burn, that saw their precinct burn, that also felt unsupported. Mm-hmm. I support police, and I, do, I never wanted to get rid of policing altogether. We need police. But when I saw these real people, these cops, I, my heart went out to them, and I realized these are not racist cops. These are cops that some of them, you know, some, maybe some were, but felt abandoned by the leadership. And I, and what's sad is that those cops that are good, that have now PTSD, which rightfully so, um, are no longer on the force. And I did feel sad for them that this ended many of their careers. So that did help open my eyes mm-hmm. to the kind of people uh, that were, you know, people in blue that um, I think were collateral damage yeah. of this. And uh, I'm glad I watched it, especially for that, because yeah. I have a lot more of empathy and compassion uh, for these police officers. And maybe some were the racist ones that, you know, didn't want to, you know, didn't want to stop bullying people. But these other ones that I saw, I thought, wow, these are real people. And I, I just felt horrible for them. Uh, 1150 uh, WCCO. We didn't even get to the part about the hold that Derek Chauvin had him in, the knee on the neck. Which was a big part of it, which is a lot of people who came to me and asked me about the documentary brought up the fact that they said that, you know, the chief of police lied. Right. And I'd have to look back at exactly what he said, but I think that's a semantics thing saying when you show a picture of Derek Chauvin and what he was doing, is that in the police training? I think the answer was no from the chief, mm-hmm. meaning that what he was doing was not part of the training. Well, then they go into the training, the training that manual. he received, including uh, Chauvin's mother had his training books mm-hmm. and this MTE, this, mm-hmm. I forget the, what that stands for yeah. specifically, but that move they were saying, suggesting is, and I would argue it's not because what we saw in the photos in the training manuals was not exactly what he was doing. He was putting his full weight on his knee and yes, and I, I just and in the training manuals, it's two legs. Like one is on the upper back, a shoulder yeah. blade, and one is on the lower back. And let's not forget again, eight minutes, over eight minutes, and he lost consciousness at some point. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. is that in the training manual too? That you, and I know they were saying, well, it's until the ambulance arrives. They have to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Even if he's unconscious and totally unresponsive? Right. Again, it was extreme. This had an agenda, but we did want to address that also because what I saw Derek Chauvin doing was not the same move as I recognized in the manual. And you can decide for, again, you can decide for yourself on that, but I don't think the documentary necessarily proved that it was trained or that Madaria Arredondo lied. And I think it makes it tougher for, for the current police chief, yes. uh, Brian O'Hara, who we've been able to talk to a couple times, uh, who I have yeah. faith in that mm-hmm, me too. he can... Bring this department back to a good stature and hopefully hire more cops, get people on the streets. I'd want but to go I think work it for makes, him. 
it makes the job harder. It so. does. It does. All right. Uh, 11.55, that is your Lindis Construction time check time to invest in a complimentary attic inspection. Let's do an update on our poll. Okay. So we asked... Is this a time that you should be watching your weight, or do you say... Screw it. It's the holidays. Mm-hmm. I don't That's care. Right. I'll get to it in January. I'll get back on the get back on the straight and narrow in January. So right now, Adam, I have 58% say screw it, go nuts, mm-hmm. and 42% uh, still trying to eat well, so they're not, they don't feel so bad come Jan 1. Yeah, that's not surprising to me, yeah. I guess. I think there's still a lot of people who say, you know, anytime... Because for a lot of people, like me included... If I just say that and throw it out the window and say, I'm just going to go nuts, it's hard, so much harder for me to come January, whatever, 3rd or 4th, because then it becomes, eh, I guess I'll get to it in uh, February, or I'll get mm-hmm. to it in March. Mm-hmm. It becomes that much harder, especially at this age and like, you know, overcoming the uh, temporary abuse you've given to your body. It makes it harder, my friend. But also, who cares? Yeah. No one needs a flat stomach at 50. I know you're not 50 yet, but come yeah. on. I don't have a flat stomach, that's for sure. Uh, Josh, Josh, thank thank you, sir. Uh, The weird uh, transition, but uh, thanks for being here today. Yeah. Chad Hartman is next, and uh, we'll we'll talk to you. Do you think he watches his weight during the uh, holidays? You think Chad's watching his girlish figure? Am I I still allowed to say girlish girlish figure? figure. Well, I, I thought... I saw his legs one time, and I thought it was a woman. So Okay. All right. We're moving That's on That's a true now. story. It's been... Yeah. Okay. And I'm also going to tell, tell Chad that I would vote for Nikki Haley because I heard you guys talking smack about me yesterday on the air. Chad and his gams coming up next on CCO. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Nerds! Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to level up your financial game? Let NerdWallet guide you with smart strategies for lasting success. Get savvy tax planning pointers to maximize your savings, money-saving travel tips for your next family getaway, and investing insights like how a 529 plan can help you send your kids to college. Unlock the key to saving to help you earn more money. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you in 2024. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, (laughs) nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.